following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. For the past month plus, we've been on a journey together of just looking at some of the things that we are certain of. And one of the reasons we wanted to do that is because we live in such uncertain times. And we need to know of things that we can count on. We need to know that there are things that we can be certain of. I know, it doesn't take a prophet to know, that over the past, let's say, two to three years, a lot of people, and even believers, have been impacted by what is going on around them, and it has caused a fear to arise that ought not to be there. There's been an uncertainty that has arised that ought not to be there. And so some of these anchors and pillars that we've been talking about are designed to confront fear. I want to confront fear this morning. When COVID hit, I was amazed at how fearful people became, and it, I believe it was because they forgot who God was. And they came into a place of feeling like the devil was bigger than God, or a virus was bigger than God. And we need to realize that that is not the case. We're going to take a good, honest look at why sometimes we don't see what we think ought to be the sovereignty of God at work. We've all gone through things in our lives, and it's like, um, God, where were you? And we need to know that in the midst of anything that you've gone through, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he was there in the midst of it with you. In fact, the truth be known, even when we weren't yet followers of Jesus Christ, he was there in the midst of it with us. And we need to know that. It's one thing to be certain of something. It's another thing to walk it out. And I want to suggest and I want to remind us that if we say we're certain of the goodness of God, our walk ought to reflect it. If we say we're certain of the love of God, our walk ought to reflect it. If we say this morning, and we are, that we're certain of the sovereignty of God, then our walk ought to reflect that. It isn't just a on-the-shelf belief I have. Faith without works is dead. It is a part of What gives me a confidence to walk in peace? Gives me a confidence to walk in joy because I know that Father knows best. And I may not like everything that He's doing around me. I might not like everything He's doing in my life. But I've got an overriding confidence that He knows best and that He is bringing to bear His goodness in my life. How many of you know... um, The goodness of God leads us to repentance. And there are times when there are things that are going on that in reality are leading us to a softer place, to a more pliable place. Can I just say this right off the bat this morning? God is far more interested in conforming you and I to the image of His dear Son than He is in our personal comfort. 
what? See, a lot of the fear that can creep in, even in the church in this day, whether it's around what's going on scientifically, medically, financially, or politically, a lot of the fear that goes on is because we have lost the confidence that God knows what he's doing. We might not like it. We might not understand. Got a quote for you. Leanne put it on uh, Facebook. So if it was on Facebook, it must be true. Here's the deal. And I thought it was so profound, especially as I was preparing for this. God does not say, understand me. He says, trust me. And there's a big difference. In fact, if you really look into the word of God, you'll find that God says, you cannot understand me. My ways are higher than your ways. And I know we have the mind of Christ and all that. But the reality is, he does things way different than you and I would do. And sometimes it can shake us. And, and especially if we're, we're, we're standing, standing, standing on the promises of God and Lord my Savior, and all of a sudden I'm standing on a promise, and he doesn't do exactly what I thought he was going to do as I stood on the promise, because he was doing something better and bigger. And it can unravel us a little bit. And, but we forget that Father knows best. And I want to encourage you this morning. It doesn't matter what go, was going on in your life. Father knows best. And he knows what he's doing. We better get into the scripture. Psalm chapter 15. Beginning at verse uh, 115. Beginning at verse 1 through verse 3. Not unto us, O Lord, but on, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, where is their God? How many, if you were really honest, would feel right now that that kind of describes some of your thought process. It's like we see things going on and it's like, oh, this doesn't look good for God. <laughs> it doesn't look good for my image as a Christian because my God just does stuff and it seems like he's not doing nothing right now. He is, by the way. Don't go here and say, Pastor Bob said God's not doing anything. He is. And is way bigger and way higher than we realize. I'm going to quote my daughter, share a little bit of her testimony when her mom was battling cancer, and we all as a family, we as a church, Leanne, I mean, a whole lot of people were contending for her healing, and Renee shares and Forgive me if I don't share it word for word, but she was with the Lord and she was basically just informing the Lord, if you healed her, you'd get yourself a lot of glory. <laughs> and you know what God said to her? And this is my words, and I'm 
putting it maybe more gentle than he did. I don't know. But this is what he said to her. He said, I will choose how and when I get my glory. And we need to be okay with that. And we don't always see the end from the beginning. God does. Next verse. But our God, verse 3, Psalm 115, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Wow. Any questions? <laughs> I love it. I got to tell you, I love it when scripture says it really plain and it doesn't, it removes all the flowery stuff. Our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. So then the obvious question is then why are things such a mess? I'm glad you ask. Let's talk. Let's go down. We're going to continue in Psalm 115. But let's just look a little bit beginning at verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. We need to know that our God is a blessing God. He is, and that just, that word really simply means that which is favorable, that which is good, that which is right. Our God is a blessing God, and he delights in blessing you, and he delights in blessing me. That's why we call it the loving, loving sovereignty of God. May the Lord, uh, verse 14, may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. And then there's this verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth is. He has given to the children of men, oh boy. <laughs> Not only is God sovereign, so are you. To a lesser degree and to a much smaller realm. But the reality is that even in your own life, you're quite sovereign. You can do whatever you want to do if you choose to. Young people, teenagers, you need to know that there is a liberty and a freedom you have if you choose to, to do your own thing, but it isn't always the best. I will say to you, teenagers and young people, Father knows best. Mother knows best. And your heavenly Father knows best. And we must be wise how we as human beings use the sovereignty. Why is planet Earth in such turmoil right now? Because the heavens belong to God, but the earth he has given to the children of men. And he's never taken it back. And there are times when God will stand back and let man do his thing 
for a time and for a season. And it is in those times, as we read in, I think it was chapter 2, or I mean verse 2 of this chapter, where the Gentiles would say, where is their God? And where we might even say, where is God in the midst of all this? Let me put it in perspective for you in a very natural way. The Vikings are playing today. They're playing the Washington Commanders. That was a foreign name to me. I had to look up who they were playing and command. Commanders, who is that? That's the former Redskins. <laughs> Many of you didn't know that. I didn't know that. Not that it matters. So, here's the deal. We're going to pray that the Vikings win. You pray, I'm not going to. And here's why I'm not really going to probably pray. Because I don't think God really cares. Now, now, let me finish. Settle down. If he was a football fan, he'd pull for the Vikings. But he's got bigger agendas going on. And you need to understand in the same way that there's Vikings fans praying that they'll win. There's Commanders fans praying that they'll win. And we need to understand that God kind of don't care either way. But on the Vikings are many believers, and for them, God cares. On the Vikings, there are many not yet believers, and for them, God cares. On the commander's team, there are many believers, and for them, God cares. There are many not yet believers on the commander's team, and for them, God cares. There are many commander fans who are believers, and God cares about them. There are many unbelieving or not yet believers who are commander fans and God cares about them. Oh, and over here, there are many Viking fans who are believers and God cares about them. And there are many not yet believers who are Vikings fans and God cares about them. And for that reason, from time to time, he'll reach into a situation and extend a little touch of his sovereignty. But it's never about the outcome of the game. It is about the salvation of souls. It is about believers being conformed to the image of his dear son. It's about those who are not yet believers coming to a greater knowledge of his goodness and of his love. See, here's the deal, and we make this mistake so often, and ugh, it infuriates me in a good way, in a Christian way. <laughs> we want God to take his sovereignty and inject it into things that have nothing to do with his kingdom mission for the church. I'm going to say something this morning that might ruffle feathers, but I want you to understand that God's kingdom mission for the church is not to make America great again. God's kingdom mission for the church is to make the name of Jesus Christ great again in America. And there's a big difference. And we need to understand that God is always about the primary mission. That's why, so I'll say this, 
because I'm gonna. That is why so many prophetic voices missed it. Because they were speaking into, they were prophesying into things that have nothing to do with the kingdom mission of the church. God's sovereign, but He's sovereign in the lives of people. He's sovereign in the sending of His Son. He's sovereign in the sending of His Holy Spirit. He's sovereign in the salvation of souls. He's sovereign in doing all He can do to to, uh, work through the hindrances of the sovereignty of man to bring to bear His love, to change a life, to heal a life, to save a soul. If you want to talk about the sovereignty of God, talk about His sovereignty to send a Savior when the world so badly needed one. Talk about His sovereignty to be able to send a Holy Spirit that empowered a church to carry His message of salvation around the world. Here we are almost 2,000 years later and we're still talking. Can you believe it, guys? About this same Jesus. Do you realize. That if you'd have been born in a different time. The Apostle Paul could be standing in front of you right now. Making you feel uncomfortable. (laughs) But it'd be the same message. What's my point? You're a nice guy. (laughs) You took your mom flying, right? A long time ago. Heather shared a... At our elders and wives retreat, just shared a story. And the Lord spoke volumes to me. She said... Landon, right? Owen. Owen. I knew that. I was just seeing if you were paying attention or looking at your phone. Owen, (laughs) Owen, (laughs) Owen took Heather up flying. He's a pilot. He's got his license, and he took her up flying, and she said he, we were up pretty high, and he pointed, and he said, that's Lake Mille Lacs, and she, really, and her observation was this, and this is the sentence that resonated in my spirit. She said, it looked so small, and I could see the end of it from the beginning. The sovereignty of God is applied for the big picture. The sovereignty of God is often applied for the long term. We have a God who sees the end of a thing from the beginning. You, those of you who know and live in Minnesota and have been on Lake Mille Lacs in a boat, it's huge. It's not like Big Lake. <laughs> it is a big lake. <laughs> and the reality is that perspective of being able to see the end from the beginning, it just, I just all of a sudden saw how God sees things. And he sees, and, and obviously this is just a natural picture to help us understand the vastness of the ability of a sovereign God to see the whole picture and the whole plan. And that doesn't mean everything that bad that happens 
is God's plan. Not at all. Nor does it mean everything that happens, God does. No, not at all. Because of the sovereignty of man and the freedom of man and the character of man that doesn't carry always the character of God, things get messy. But in the midst of it all, there is a sovereign God working all things together for good. And from time, and here's the thing we wrestle with. I've wrestled with it myself, and many of you have. Why didn't God do something different here than he did? And it can cause us to be, have concern for the future. I don't think, Phyllis isn't here this morning, is she? Is she? Oh, what a shock. She's serving. But anyway, Phyllis puts in the, I'm assuming, I've never been in the ladies' room. Well, I shouldn't say never. I've fixed a few things in there. But I'm assuming it's the same in the ladies' room as it is in the men's room. There's these little works of art of paintings or pictures with a saying under it. And I don't know about you, but I really appreciate that. And there's one in the men's room right now that Phyllis put there. It's a quote by Corey Ten Boom, and it says this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I'll say that again. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I've shared with you before that we as leaders have really been processing and still do process considering the potential of things unraveling in our nation. How can we best tell you to prepare? And we have come to this conclusion. Get to know God. Get to know your shepherd and do what he tells you to do. Press into the presence of God. Press into the life of God. Get to know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as you never have before. And that isn't good advice just because uh, there's the potential of some difficult days coming. That is good advice anytime, anywhere, for any occasion. But we do not need to be concerned about an unknown future if we've got a confidence in a known God. And I don't know about for you, but for me, that removes fear. My daddy is a tough dude. And he loves me. And he will watch over me. Will I ever get uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. That's why he gave me a comforter. But I do know this. In the process of whether I'm comfortable or uncomfortable, he is conforming me to the image of his dear son. And so I welcome his hand into my life. I trust him. 
As most of you know, we have a Thursday morning prayer meeting here every Thursday, and we pray for the body and for living waters. And um, in fact, the, the meeting uh, next Sunday evening will kind of be an extension of that. It'll be a very similar meeting. Pastor Dave leads the prayer meeting here on Thursday. He will be leading the prayer meeting uh, on sun next Sunday night, the 13th. And it'll be a similar format of hearing from God and then praying. And last week, one of the intercessors had a vision of two different children. And something had happened they didn't like, and one of them was throwing a temper tantrum, and one of them was sulking in a corner, sucking their thumb. Got a question for you. Which one are you? When God doesn't do what we think he should do, do we sulk? Do we hide away? Do we pull back? When God doesn't do what we think he ought to do, do we throw a temper tantrum? Do we get angry with him? Do we? It's like, by the way, it's okay to get angry with God. He can handle it. Just be careful how long you stay there because you can't handle it very long. We see that in the Psalms with David. He both sucked his thumb sometimes and threw a temper tantrum sometimes. We see it, we see it with Moses at the rock when, when he threw a bit of a temper tantrum and struck the rock when he was supposed to speak to it. We see it with Elijah hiding in a cave, sucking his thumb. Because God didn't do what he thought God was going to do. So you're in good company if that's you. And I don't mean to be meddling, but I am. There may be things going on in your life, in your world, in your nation, in your family, in your situation, whatever, that you don't like. But I want to encourage you, have a healthy, mature response. Draw near to God. Recognize that Father knows best. Recognize that you can trust His sovereignty over the long term. And that, see, He's, mar he's far more concerned about your heart. He's far more concerned about your eternity. He's far more concerned about um, you growing in character. He's far more concerned about his attributes, which, by the way, are clearly spelled out in the Scripture, and they're called the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, that's our God. But that also is increasingly becoming you. Because in his sovereignty, he is working all things together for good to bring you and I to a place to where we are mature sons and daughters who know that we know that we know. Oh, Father knows best. 
And so it doesn't matter what's going, off to my, going on off to my left or off to my right. It doesn't matter if I can't clearly see what's ahead. Do you know how the children of Israel failed, according to Hebrews? They did not enter into his rest. There is such a rest in putting our lives in the hands of our God. There's two things, according to Scripture, it would seem that we can do with the hand of God. We can humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, or we can fall into the hand of God. I recommend the first. We can trust his hand, even when we don't understand what he's doing, because we know his heart. And so whether it has to do with what's going on presently or in the future, there's a rest I can come into in my own spirit. That doesn't mean uh, there isn't turmoil around me. No, no, not at all. It means that, see, here's the deal. I saw this on Facebook too, so it must be true. Here's the deal. It is never the water around a ship that sinks it. It's the water that got into the ship that sinks it. Be careful what you let into your boat. Be careful of all, all this ocean of mess that's going on. Don't let it into your boat. Invite Jesus into your boat. Invite a sovereign God into your boat where you can float above it. And, and it, it doesn't mean we don't get politically involved. Good Lord, it does not mean we don't vote. I want to encourage you, vote. Go out and vote. And vote for righteousness. Don't vote along personality lines. Don't Vote for righteousness. But in the midst of it all, recognize that God is God, and he does as he pleases. And he will intervene when he chooses to. And when he doesn't, or it seems he didn't, peace, be still, rest, and recognize that he is at work. You might be here this morning, you might say, well, yeah, but you didn't even mention the devil. That's cute. <laughs> I know the adversary is at work. And I know that he's moving about the earth with great wrath, knowing that he has but a short time. But I'll tell you this. You'll never find joy focusing on what you're against. You will find joy in what, 
focusing on what you stand for. That doesn't mean we don't take a stand. That doesn't mean we don't res resist the devil that he'll flee. But I do not become consumed with taking a stand against. I become consumed with taking a stand for. And I st take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. I take a stand for the righteousness of God. I take a stand for the reality of a sovereign God who is at work. And I take a stand for believing, even as we sang in that old hymn, in believing that that is a rock upon which I can stand. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that you are our guide and our director. We thank you that you are our comforter. We thank you that you never leave us alone. You are always, always with us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.